Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Toronto Real Estate Show with Janelle and Leslie. I'm Janelle Cameron. Hi there, everyone. I'm Leslie Pearson. And today we're going to be talking all about uh, questions. Actually, we're answering questions that people have written into us. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Toronto Real Estate Show with the Janelle Cameron team, the podcast that helps make your real estate dreams a reality. The Janelle Cameron team is your expert source for all things real estate in the greater Toronto area. Whether you're considering a renovation to improve your return on investment, looking at homes for the very first time, or even considering becoming an agent yourself, we've got you covered. Hey everyone, hope you're doing well and uh, hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. Today is the day after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Great weather we're having, so that does affect the real estate market. Oh yeah, for sure. That's, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Better the weather, the more active people are. So, uh, although I keep hearing, I don't know if you've heard this, but I keep hearing that we're supposed to get our first snowfall before the end of the month. I haven't heard that, but I do hear it's going to be a doozy of a winter. Right. So I hope somebody's, it is really hard for me to believe that two weeks from now we would be having a snowstorm, but I don't know. Where now my plants are flowering on my lawn. It's so bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. But I know, uh, you know, having uh, spent in my youth uh, many Thanksgivings at the cottage. More often than not, we had snow Thanksgiving weekend at the cottage. Yeah. This year, people were swimming. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, But weather does affect um, very much. Although, if it's too nice, it's not good for real estate. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But we'll find, you know, one of the reasons why things are slower in you know, December, well, that's because of Christmas largely, but even January, February, sometimes because of the weather, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody, if you, and you'll find, this is always terrible. I find that, um, you know, you've got a, a house that you're selling and you have an offer date and the day of offers, you have a snowstorm. Right. And then nobody comes to the table. Right. <laughs> so it really does affect, you know, how things go. Mm-hmm. Not to mention photos and everything, right? Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Um, so let's hope that the farmer's almanac is wrong this year. <laughs> that would be nice. It's not so bad. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so other than that, real estate market's ticking along. It's It still feels a little sluggish to me. Yeah, I think I've noticed a difference. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. A little flat. A little flat. Mm-hmm. Everything's selling mm-hmm. that's on the market for good money, but it's just, there just seems to be this lack of urgency, mm-hmm. I would say is the best way to describe it. Uh, I think people, the impression I get is people are just confused and uncertain of what to do. mm -hmm. So it's kind of creating a state of inertia where they're doing nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I do see today, we do have already, as I'm sitting here at 1130, uh, there are a lot of new listings out, um, more than I've seen in the last couple of weeks. So that's good. That usually gives people a bit of a push and that always happens after Thanksgiving. Right. Um, you know, we're at 31 in the East end right now altogether. So that's good. Kind of a mix of condos and homes. Um, but the other thing I am seeing, which is interesting, is like a lot of the stuff that is coming out is not exactly what I would consider to be prime real estate, right? Mm. It's just sort of mediocre. Mm. It's not like you're getting those special, special places. So, um, yeah, for those people that are thinking about selling, my God, I'd be, I'd do it. Do it now. What are you waiting for? 100%. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so today we thought we'd go over some questions we do, um, 
get a lot of questions from our um, people, our listeners, and and, uh, through our various social media channels. And thank you for that, everybody. We love that. Keep them coming. Um, So we thought we'd go over some of them because, you know, we do find we get the same questions all the time. We're answering the Mm -hmm, same kind of mm -hmm. stuff. So it seems like a good time to address some of these things once again. I think we did another one like this a few months back. Yep. Yeah. Okay, first question we get a lot is how much of a deposit should I put down on the property I'm buying? Yeah, I get that question then related what happens if, you know, the deal falls through, what happens to my deposit, how quickly will I get it back and how quickly. So all all questions related to the deposit. So mm-hmm. So generally, um generally in Toronto, if we can talk um generally, oh my gosh, Janelle, maybe you should talk. I don't seem to be able to put any <laughs> sentence together. Generally, deposits are in the range, I find, don't you, Janelle, of like 5 to 10 of the sale price of the home? Yeah, 5 to 10 percent, yeah. With some greater flexibility if you're not in competition right? than if you are. If you are in competition, the seller is going to look at all the factors in your offer. So, you know, your offer price, the deposit, the format of the deposit, any kind of any conditions you have or funny clauses, closing date, everything. And so you want to make all of the elements of your offer as strong as possible, including the deposits. Yeah. So when you're in competition, I think it has to be on the higher end of, of that range. Um, and uh, But I have seen in some situations, maybe entry-level pricing, uh, you know, condos maybe where I we've we've gotten even lower than the five percent. Yeah. If you're not in competition, um, you know, sometimes you take that. Yeah. Um, you what know, would you say, in your opinion? And it, and also, I should point out, it does vary from region to region. That's true too. So, you know, we're largely yeah. talking about the strong markets of the GTA. If you're buying something in, you know, Windsor, yeah, or Hamilton. Right. Well, Hamilton's probably pretty hot now too. But maybe some other areas like London or Windsor, maybe you're only you only need about ten thousand or right. something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, five percent or so. Mm-hmm. But what would you say, in your opinion, would be the minimum amount of a deposit that you'd be putting down on any property? So regardless of percentages? Yeah. Regardless of percentages, I think it has to be a number that gives you confidence that, the, the you know, it's another um, factor that is going to um, kind of ensure that the deal is going to happen. And in my mind, I'm thinking that's like 25000 Yeah, that's mm-hmm. kind of what I say to people too, mm-hmm. like 20000 mm-hmm. would be the minimum I would ever suggest mm-hmm. anybody put down mm-hmm. regardless of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, usually I'd say we're looking at about 5%. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes what you see now, by the way, people on a listing is it will actually say right in the broker's remarks, minimum of 5% required. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't have it, don't bother. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and a lot of times people also do a stepped deposit. So, you know, we'll give you 20,000 today. Next week, we'll give you another 20. And, you know, sometimes people have to move things around yeah move things around cash and rsps or something uh and it would be up to an agent whether they want to take that or not yeah i don't see a lot of that yeah but but it's not unheard of yeah once in a while i get it yeah the Um, other the other thing related to that is not just the amount but it's how you deliver that deposit and with um our offers generally being done um by email these days um i think that uh, sellers take greater stock of a photocopy 
of a deposit with their offer yeah. than an offer that didn't have that. Yeah, agreed. Um, even though, I mean, it's kind of a false Sense source of security, of security mm-hmm. because you know, it's a photocopy. Yeah. But it's just an additional maybe um, indicator of motivation and seriousness. Yeah. The person's made the effort to go go to the bank, get the bank draft, Mm -hmm. get it Mm -hmm. sent to, you know, made out to the brokerage. It's taken a picture, sent it to their agent who's now sent it to us. You know, there's some... There's some uh, goodwill behind that, yeah. right? A lot so, more. So uh, I think that that is very important, and uh, also, you know, I don't ever, I don't see very often these days just regular checks mm-hmm. as deposits. It has to be bank draft. It has to be a bank draft. Check. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to you know go too much onto this point because we're going to move along to the next one. But uh, the deposit, by the way, once an offer is accepted, must be in the listing brokerage's hands within 24 hours, or the deal's dead. Yeah, and I find even a lot of agents are confused about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an argument or difference of opinion with an agent recently. He thought that that was. Um, because our deal was done on a Saturday, he had until Monday. Monday, yeah, it's and not I don't true. think it's yeah. No, it's twenty four hours. Mm-hmm. It's not banking hour, mm-hmm. banking days. Mm-hmm. It's actual days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is that's a whole other problem in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, people should know that, but uh, just so yeah, you know, it doesn't matter if your banks close on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Figure it out. Mm-hmm. You got to get it to yeah. them. So you have to you hand in a deposit uh, with your offer. You either do it. Um, well, most oftenly now it's upon, upon acceptance, I guess. And yeah. So if you have photocopied a bank draft or certified check with your offer, you have to replace it with the real thing mm-hmm. or make um, electronic arrangements mm-hmm. within 24 hours. Um, and that money is held in trust by the seller's real estate brokerage until the day of closing, and then it becomes part of the funds used to in the transfer of the property. Mm-hmm. Um, if, however, something goes wonky and the deal doesn't end up um, happening, well, first of all, if it's um, you must pay the deposit whether you're submitting a firm offer or a conditional offer. Mm-hmm. So it's the same regardless. If your condition doesn't... Um, go well and uh, the deal isn't going to happen, then you do get your deposit back without question. Yeah. Um, the typical condition wording says such a thing. You have to, there is a little bit of paperwork to sign, but then you get your money work back. Mm-hmm. But if, however, you have a firm deal and then um, it goes wonky, that's a, that's a different matter. Yeah, in, now you're in trouble. In terms of getting your deposit back. Because, you, uh, you know, an, a firm offer is a signed, written, legally binding contract. And that's not going to be as easy to reconcile as if you had handed over a deposit with a condition. Yeah. Which is an easy thing to uh, fix. Yeah. And that brings us to the next question, which is, uh, I think, really important, is can I back out of a deal? Okay. So the answer is it depends what stage you're at. So if you have a conditional offer and it's conditional on whatever financing or status or home Home inspection, inspection, as Leslie mentioned, there is an opportunity for you to normally back out of the deal during that conditional phase if your condition terms are not met to your satisfaction. So you don't get your financing, you don't like the inspection, you don't like the status, you are able to walk away, you get your deposit back in full, and that's it, it's over. 
it doesn't happen all that often, to be honest. Most people, you know, once in a while, certainly, but most people entering into that process are committed to this purchase, right? Mm-hmm. They're not just winging it to see what happens. They're committed to it. They're going to do it. Now, if the f- deal is firm and you have a set closing and there are no more conditions and it's a firm deal, the contract is 100% binding. You cannot, and I stress, cannot back out of that deal under any circumstances. If you do, not only will you not get your deposit back, but you will be sued. If you forward, if you go forward with a contract and you sign it and it is firm, unless there are some extremely unusual extenuating circumstances, you are on the hook to fulfill that contract period. So there is not an opportunity for you to change your mind, for you to decide you want to walk away or anything anything else that, you know, has nothing to do, even if you've lost your job, mm-hmm. your financing all of a sudden doesn't come through. You end up in the hospital on a ventilator. It doesn't matter. You are committed to that deal and you need to fulfill it. And that is just it. And if you are not prepared to go forward through this process and deal with the, you know, unusual circumstances that life throws you, then you're probably not ready to make a purchase. Mm-hmm. It never happens in, in, I shouldn't say never. It rarely happens. It happens so so infrequently that it's never happened to me. Um, me yeah, or I think most people I know. So uh, it just doesn't happen here. And, you know, there's different rules in different places, but that's how it works here. Mm-hmm. Period. So don't ever enter into something that you think you might be able to get out of because you can't. Mm-hmm. If the seller decides to sue you, it will be a disaster of your life. <laughs> <laughs> so don't do it. <laughs> Okay, so next question we get all the time is, what's a reasonable amount of time for a closing? Right, you buy a house when, or even when you're selling, what's a reasonable closing time? Well, um, that's a funny question in my mind. So uh, again, I think it depends on whether it's a competitive situation or not. If it's a competitive situation, it's going to be one of the factors which we, you know, are often finding ourselves in this at this time. It's certainly in Toronto. Then the sellers are going to be looking at your suggested closing as lo- as well as all the additional factors in your in your offer and um, choosing the one that makes most sense to them. You have to give in to as many of the seller's preferences as you can if you're in a a competitive situation. Mm -hmm. Um, Often, usually, the seller will indicate what kind of closing they're looking at, be it 30, 60, 90 days. They often even give specific dates. Closing has to be October 29th, for example. Um, So if you're in a competitive situation and you have your heart set on that house, You need to go with whatever the seller's closing date is. Um, If it's not a competitive situation, that's a negotiating point. And, um, you know, I think uh, any 
two parties with a mutual interest in a transaction are going to come to an agreement on the closing date, generally I see them, I don't see many 30 days. I would say 60 days is, is the most common one I see. Yeah. I don't see many 90 days. So yeah. I think about two months. Yeah. That's about average, yeah. That, that's that's what I would say. Sometimes people want shorter, sometimes they want longer. And every once in a while you see some weird, you know, six-month-out, someone's asking for a six-month closing. But 60 days is what I, if I was either buying or selling, that's what I would, mm-hmm. that's what I would anticipate. Uh, next one is a very loaded question. Should I buy first or should I sell first? And this is probably, I would say, the question I get asked the most out of any question. But how do you answer that? To me, it really just depends on the situation you're at. So I agree. It's pretty simple, I think. uh, And I would tell everybody the same thing. If you have a house or property that is not particularly desirable to the masses for whatever reason, you should definitely sell first. So you know exactly how long it's going to take, how much money you have to play with. Um, Even in a really hot market, some of these weird properties take a little bit longer. Mm And the argument for people is always, well, what if I can't find something? And that is a concern. Um, However, if you, again, have a property that's a little bit odd or quirky and it's going to take a little longer and we can't really price it that effectively, it's better to sell so you know exactly how much you're dealing with. When you buy first... And I would suggest people buy first when they have the opposite situation. They've got a property that's really desirable. Everybody's going to want it, and it's going to sell in five minutes regardless of what you do or what you price it at. And there are properties like that. Then it's easy. Then you have a guarantee. Um, But I think, you know, under those circumstances, if you buy first, you have to know that the amount of money that you get for your property when you sell is not really as much of a big deal. It can go twenty or $50,000 on either side and it's not going to make or break you. Those are the situations where buying first makes sense. You just have to know that if you buy first and you don't sell in time, you could get yourself into some trouble. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, you've got two properties. Mm-hmm. And again, you've got to close on that one you've just purchased. There's no backing out of that deal. So if you have not sold your property, you don't have that money, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. So unless you've got, you know, an extra five, eight hundred, nine hundred, whatever the price of that property is kicking around, you know, you've, you've got to come up with that money. So the confusion here, and I just want to point this out is people will always say, well, I'll just get bridge financing. Bridge financing is only when you have two firm sales, one on the buy side and one on the sell side, and they don't match up. The bank will give you a bridge financing for the period of time between the time that you purchase and the time that your existing home closes. It might be a week, it might be two months. It's expensive, and you're paying interest on the amount of both property mortgages during that time. So if you do not have two firm sales, there is no bridge financing. And it's very unlikely that a bank would give you the money to purchase your new home without selling the existing one and you are going to be the one on the hook. So the worst case scenario for buying first is that you own two homes. Mm -hmm. The worst case scenario for selling first is that you can't find anything to buy and you have to go into an Airbnb and put your stuff in storage. I'll take option B any day of the week. I mean, yeah, me too. Yeah, I think so as you describe it, there are risks 
with either option and it all depends on your personal situation your risk profile and you know your situation if you're um if you have lots of money and you have young kids you know where you want to live next and it doesn't come up a lot you might be in a position to be able to buy first i would say that most of us now aren't in that position. that's right and um, most of us want a lot of people want the security of knowing how much money they have, yeah. which you can only know from selling your house first. That's right. So um, I side with you that um, unless you have a spectacularly coveted property in the hottest market ever, mm-hmm. um, that uh, buying first is a, a greater risk for most people. Yeah. Um, and it- now if you sell first, you have the comfort of knowing that you sold in the first place. And you have the comfort of knowing exactly how much money you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and you can structure maybe your timing so that, like, maybe you, you sell and you arrange a really long close and, yeah. and then work like a dog to find a place. Yeah, and that's how we kind of mitigate that. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. again, I always like to point out to people, I think, like, here's the worst-case scenario on this side, mm-hmm. and here's the worst-case scenario on this side. Mm-hmm. Which one do you like better? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. does this one scare you to death? Because it should. And if it doesn't, then fine. But mm-hmm. if it does, then go with the side. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, good. Uh, next question is, and this is always interesting. I can't decide whether I want a condo or a house, you know, which is better um, for whatever circumstance that person's in. And, of course, we don't know the answer to that. But what I will say is that this is a, probably the first thing you should be considering when you're thinking of a purchase, especially in the city. Do I want a condo or do I want a house? And understand what the pros and cons are, right? <clears throat> so for a lot of people, if they're just starting out, a condo is an easier option for them because right. it's cheaper. Right. And downsizers tends to be cheaper too. Uh, but one of the things I think you really have to look at is that you don't want to pay a lot of people you know don't want to pay maintenance fees yep but you have to realize that the maintenance fees cover all the things that you don't want to necessarily be doing in a house yeah you'd be spending that or most likely much more that's right on a house that's right Mm -hmm. and so look at your circumstances and really think about it okay am i okay paying x amount of money a month a little bit out of my control, right? Someone else is controlling that money, the condo corporation. But in a, you know, as a result of that, I'm getting no grass cutting, no snow shoveling. I get a gym in the basement. Okay, well, there you go. I just saved myself $100 in a gym membership. You know, I've got the pool. Well, I don't really use a pool, but maybe I, maybe I would. I mean, these are all things you have to really think about whether the maintenance fees are worth it. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the things I hear from people who should be in a condo, Mm-hmm. who say, I just don't want to pay the fees. Well, I don't think they necessarily understand what the fees go toward. Mm-hmm. And fees can be wonderful. Mm-hmm. But you have to understand that you're relinquishing a little bit of control. You yeah. don't know always where the money is going. It's run by a board that you may not agree with. And there are, there are people out there that I've put in condos that are not the type of people who deal well with other people telling them how to spend their money. Mm-hmm. And if you're that kind of person, that condo might not be right. not not be for right. you. Now, on the other side, buying a house, there's a lot of expenses. You are constantly fixing something. You know, that flood you had in the basement, you know, the new roof you had to put on. Oops, you've got new windows coming. You know, oh, great, great, I need a new furnace. Like, this is home ownership. It costs money all the time. So... I think, you know, it's it's the same. It's the same, it's just different. <laughs> yeah, it, financially. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I don't really understand sometimes when people ask us that question because it seems to be such a, such a personal issue. Mm -hmm. What kind of living arrangement works for you is not for me to say. Mm -hmm. and I, so it makes me think that when they're asking us, they're really just asking us from a real estate perspective, from a financial perspective, if mm -hmm. you describe, from a maybe um, uh, equity growth kind of our future kind of future assessment or forecasting of the financial or real estate perspective on which they should buy because otherwise it's just a, it's just a personal decision mm -hmm. now i think typically traditionally we've seen houses grow in value more and quicker than condos is that right yeah although that flipped a couple of years yeah. ago then we started getting more growth in the condo segment and then during COVID flipped again. Yeah. And now, you know, yeah. now they're about even in Toronto. Yeah. So, you know, to some extent, to be callous, it comes down to buy something. If your budget means that's a condo, buy a condo. Yeah. And, you know, worst case scenario, hate it for five years and then move on. And make your money and but go. But if that's all you can do, do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, if you have the luxury of being able to consider different housing kind of formats, then, you know, drive around, see what neighborhoods you like, see uh -huh. what houses go for in those neighborhoods versus condos. Uh -huh. Make your decision based on you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we get asked that question a lot because people genuinely don't understand the differences. And I think that's a really, I think there's a lot of misconception about both home ownership and condo ownership. People don't understand mm -hmm. what that looks like, mm -hmm. right? And when they say, well, I don't want to pay maintenance fees, they have no idea what that means. Yeah. That's a... Yeah. Right. And then on the on the housing side, they say, oh, yeah, it's going to be way cheaper to buy a house. Well, it's not. Mm -hmm. You know, it just really, I think you're right, depends on your mm -hmm. kind of lifestyle. I mean, you know, I've had people move into condos because they're lonely in a house and they like to have people around. I've had people move out of condos because they can't stand seeing people all the time. So you really have to understand mm -hmm. where you are and, and, right. and kind of really assess what you like and don't like. Right. And if you're asking us for our real estate perspective, like, I mean, everything is going to grow in value. Yeah. I mean, that's what I say. Yeah. Just, just buy pick something. A, pick a lane. Yeah, pick a lane <laughs> and we'll support you all the way. Uh, okay, so... Um, now, I will say, too, though, that my view of condos has changed. Um, and uh, I now can see myself living in the condo. Or maybe five years ago, I would have been, ugh, like... They tell me what kind of color blinds I have to have, and mm -hmm. you know if mm -hmm. uh, yeah the, they're replacing the Grecian columns, and I don't like you know it would have bothered me now, whatever. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, because I think when you're busy mm -hmm. and you have a lot going on in life, mm -hmm. it's really hard to also manage all the shit that goes along mm -hmm. with house mm -hmm. house ownership, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you know. Mm -hmm. Oh God! Now I got to do this. Now I got to do that, and I just replaced that already. Mm -hmm. So I think you know it's just lifestyle changes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and they change your perception of things. They do as as yeah. as we go through different periods of life. Different things are more important than others, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, you get to a stage too where, if, for a lot of people who have a who own condos, if you're a if you're like a, a snowbird. Right, that's a way better option for you than having someone maintain your house mm -hmm. if you're only there half the year. Mm -hmm. So you know you just have to kind of know where you're at. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, the big question, uh, of course, all we ever see in the news is what's going to happen with house prices. Is this bubble going to burst? That's what everybody wants to know. Uh, so two things on that that immediately come to mind to me are what bubble, right. first of all, right, and secondly, 
who knows? Get your crystal ball out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we know what we know now, and if anybody is professing to know with certainty what's going to happen, you know, down the road, I would run yep. from that information. Um, but um, I hear a lot of doom and gloom that has never come to fruition since I've been doing real estate, so I take it all with a grain of salt. Um, and uh, I don't know. What do you think? What I mean, who knows? Yeah, I, mean, I can't. It hasn't can't, happened yet, so I don't it's know. It's the strongest investment you yeah. can make, and we've been doing this, what, 15, 16 years? Yeah. I, is that that long? I don't know. More than that, I think. But, um, Way more know, than that. I've had clients that whole time yeah. saying the same thing. Yeah. And he who hesitates is now priced out of the market. Yeah. Um, That's it. I think they're going to be, it's natural in any situation to have kind of ebbs and flows, but... Um, we haven't had the ebb and flow we yet. We haven't <laughs> had much of it. I remember a couple of months in 2009, maybe, but that's it. And then, you know, and you don't want to be looking at, uh, you want to be looking long-term, and despite mm -hmm. any ebbs and flows we've ever had, the long-term is so positive. Yeah. Yeah, 100% agree. I, d I, don't, I don't even understand if you have any concept of what's happening in the Toronto real estate market and have even tuned in for one minute over the last 10 years, you'd know this is the best investment you can make, mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. Nothing's paying you like this. And mm -hmm. so for all those people that have said to me over the years, they're waiting for the downturn to come. Yeah, mm -hmm. it hasn't happened. Right. So, um, okay, I love this one. Uh, houses are selling so quickly. And it's so easy to sell my house. Why would I need an agent? <laughs> well, clearly, Does it really matter that I have to pay? Or should I be paying full service fees when all I have to do is stick a sign on the lawn? And it'll go. Right. Yeah. So Janelle and I are, are biased here in our answer, but we're not um, unreasonably biased. We're, we have opinion um, based on evidence. And the evidence suggests... First of all, that sellers who use a real estate agent do much better than those that don't. Mm -hmm. And secondly, uh, evi I see evidence that suggests that full service, f including you know, home preparation, staging, and marketing, yeah. and negotiating skills and networking makes a difference yeah. to the outcome. The, the evidence is clear. Um, yeah. So we actually, I don't know, I don't think I shared this with you, but I just got this stat the other day. Our team sells properties for 10% more for the same product than any other, than other agents do. Mm -hmm. And that's because we offer full service fees. And we don't like to, you know, we're not bragging about our, ourselves here. We, we try not to do that. But it's, it's us or whoever, it's evidence that full service gets you more money. Right. That's it. Right. And that's why you use a real estate agent. Yeah. And uh, in my view. And a good one. Yeah. A good Not one. a cheapy cheap. You get yeah. what you pay for, right? Right. Yeah. You get what you pay for. Right. It's exactly. Yeah. It. And, um, and like, I'm not going to the dentist and looking for a deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not looking for like the cosmetic surgeon that's giving a bargain. I mean, yeah. these are things that, you know, if I want something done right, for yeah. like things that are important to You're me, like my largest it. asset yeah. in the world, yeah. I'm not going to find a deal. Yeah. And in like some basic terms, if, for example, you say that we sell for 10% more than the average, mm -hmm. 
then you know all a seller in my view needs to care about is the net outcome yes so if you're going to make 10% more but you're paying maybe a little bit more for from some agent discount agent who does nothing right how does that not make sense right yeah. And I see it like all the time. Even if you're looking at the numbers and you're thinking, oh, my God, I want to cheap out and, uh-huh. and I can do it on my own. The numbers just it doesn't make uh-huh. sense. I don't get it. And it's so funny. You know, you don't you don't understand. People don't understand what it's how important those little details are. The marketing, the staging, the way things are promoted, your presence on social media, which is quite frankly where all the advertising dollars are spent now. All of those things matter. And so it may not look like it matters, but it matters. And mm-hmm. I could give you a hundred examples mm-hmm. to show you the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see it. I, I know when agents, certain agents in the city, I know when their listings go up, I can almost tell how much over asking it's going to sell for or how quickly it's going to sell because they do it right mm-hmm. like we do. Mm-hmm. And I can see that those professionals in the business you know, they, I know, and I know they all charge more, mm-hmm. but absolutely, I'd pay that all day long if I was mm-hmm. going to get more money. If mm-hmm. you want a deal, then yeah, sure, go ahead and do it yourself. You just be willing to not make that much money at the end. So when you're asking that question, you're asking, uh, you know, you may word it differently, but the question really is, why should I pay the money for right. you to do the work? Yeah, and the answer is because you'll get the money, and because you make more. Yeah, money. because yeah. you are not a professional. Yeah. Yeah, and you may think you do. Making money, it shouldn't be on saving money. It's how do I make the most money possible from this largest transaction of my life? Right. And the way you do that, you don't do that doing it on your own. Yeah, absolutely. You've closed so many doors just by making that decision. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a bit crazy to me. Um, And again, not not because I'm made of money, but because I feel like I'm going to not skimp. Right. On the important things. Right. Like something like that. Right. And you yeah. do see there are cases where people do this on their own and they sell and they sell okay, but, you know, you'd never know how well you would have done otherwise. Yeah, yeah for so. sure. Um, and then uh, we had we had one more question. Um, and that is, how much does it cost me to sell my home? And so that kind of you know, transitions from what we were just saying, because it depends on what you're paying in commission. So if you're selling largely, we are looking at 5% plus HST is the average amount of commission that you're going to be paying. That's 2.5% to the buying representative and 2.5% to the listing representative. You are going to be paying legal fees, which probably are going to be somewhere around $800. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it other than moving costs. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about how much also to purchase a home, you have to deal in land transfer tax. And that's where uh, you get a pretty big hit. Land transfer tax amount depends on whether you live in the city of Toronto or not, because we have uh, double land transfer tax here in the city. Um, So you pay twice as much as you would if you live outside of Toronto. So, you know, on a $1.2 million home, what's that, 40000 in land transfer? Um, mm. You know, then you've got legal fees on that side, too. Maybe you can get all legal fees for 1500 yeah. 2000 and then your commission on the other end. Right. 
On top of that, I think it's important to note, I'm getting this a lot from people, um, and it's interesting, certain demographics, certain homes, when I put them for sale, Mm -hmm. I get a lot of calls from people who think that if I represent them as a listing agent, then I'm going to save some money there, you know, because I'll be able to... um, offer the seller less money, right? Because I'm doing both ends of the deal. Right. Um, I'm hearing that more frequently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and again, this is important to note, that doesn't really work. Mm -hmm. You know, for our brokerage, and I think for a lot of people, if we are in multiple offers, we will not represent both buyer and seller. And so it does you no good whatsoever to try to go to the listing agent, try to use you know, get representation, doesn't cost you anything as a buyer, have someone represent you, look out, look for your best interest. And again, if this comes down to money Mm -hmm. and you're trying to get yourself a deal on the purchase, first of all, it's not 1980. Second of all, Mm -hmm. it's just, (laughs) it's just not the way to go about this. You know, you want someone who's going to represent you well and, and, you know, trust them, understand that you're spending what you should be spending because they've done the research and they know uh, the market, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's all I had. Anything else? Uh, no, I think that's good. We yeah. got to many of our questions. We have more, so maybe we should continue this another yeah, time. Yeah, we'll do it another time. Always always the same ones. And, like, reach out anytime, everybody, if you want to have some of your questions asked, uh, answered, I should say. Just uh, drop us a line. You can do that through any of our social media channels, which is at the Janelle Cameron team, and through our website, um, or anywhere else. Mm-hmm. We're always around and happy to answer your questions. So that's it for now. Don't forget to follow us and uh, we will see you next week and happy real estate. Happy real estate, everyone. We hope you've enjoyed the Toronto Real Estate Show with the Janelle Cameron team. But more importantly, we hope you feel better informed and enthusiastic about your real estate future. We know buying and selling can be stressful, so let us help. If you're looking for hands-on support in the greater Toronto area, the Janelle Cameron team from Remax Hallmark Realty is ready to assist. Visit JanelleCameron.com, that's J-E-N-E-L-L-E Cameron.com, or dial 416-486-5588. Join us again next week as we deliver more content to help you reach your real estate dreams.